This is the Crease Cast. Here's your host, Lock in the Crease. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Crease Cast in a brand new place at a brand new time in the same COVID world. How are you guys doing? It's we're we're back for a second season. It's great to be back. Um, this is the first time I am doing. Uh, an episode in the new era, in the new season, with uh, by myself, and uh, as you can see around me, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, um, lots changed. Um, you can probably hear it too. Actually, it's very echoey in here now. Um, ba- uh, I will, you know, we'll go over everything that's happened in the last little bit of time. Um, but first of all, just uh, when I when I played the the theme song right there, I could actually hear that now. That's not a that's not me in post. Uh, edit anymore that is directly thrown into the show because we have a bunch of new stuff uh going on a bunch of new tech a bunch of new equipment here that i get to finally show off i didn't get to do it in the first episode because the first episode was done over zoom but now i get to show off some of the cool new new tricks of the the show that i've got going here um again uh for those of you who are new i am lachlan lachlan the crease Irvin. i have been doing the crease cast now for a full season and a bit because of everything uh with covid technically it's a little bit longer um one season turned into about 15 months or so (laughs) um and i've been i'm a hockey writer canucks writer specifically um i've been covering the canucks on and hockey the hockey world uh on my website lockinthecrease.com for the last five years five years it's been a long time almost five i think we're coming up on five in 2016 i think is when i officially hit the five-year anniversary but yeah i've been at this a while um and uh yeah aspiring aspiring hockey writer hoping to do this full-time someday this kind of stuff full-time um and that's what this is all about the crease cast is a hockey show as you can probably tell i'm a former goalie and uh yeah this is this is the second year of doing this officially um you know, obviously, again, there's no hockey on right now. It's December. It's de- it's this is the first podcast of December. It is there is normally this is a very busy time for everybody. You know, there's NH there NHL's going on. We're a little bit away from the uh, from the um, World Juniors happening, which apparently World Junior stuff starts in like twelve days, and I didn't even I didn't even notice. Like it just snuck up on me a little bit. Oh, I'm just gonna zip that up because something is rattling the screens. Um. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a very wild year, as you're definitely aware, unless you've been off this planet for some reason. Uh, those astronauts, we envy them right now, don't we? Um, yeah, so this is usually a very busy season, but part time of the year for for me and for everybody who loves hockey. But instead, we're kind of just left up to being to finding new hockey things to talk about every day and trying to find. Um, very new a very trying to find debates and conversation about hockey when there's none to be had because this is technically the summer for us kind of um then it it set on as opposed to normal years when july and august are summer for hockey people you know there's been so many just weird conversations going on lots of weird stories i mean just all the stuff that's going on right now like we can't even have i don't even have time to go over everything i mean you know, there's the fact that we don't even know when hockey's coming back. It's supposed to come back July, f- or it was supposed to come back January 1st. Now that date is unlikely, that date's seeming more and more unlikely considering that's we're less than a month away from it. Um, there's so many more, you know, and there's so many more conversations to be had before that, before we get to that official date. Apparently the NHL and the NHL Players Association are trying to negotiate on some stuff. Uh, or, well, the, sorry, the NHL is trying to renegotiate a deal with the players and the players are like, yeah, no, just, let's just play. Um, let's just get the games going and announce, let's announce a schedule, please. Um, there's the whole Canadian division thing, which we're going to talk about today. Um, there's so much stuff to talk about, but before I do, um, if you are not new, um, things are different. This is a very different you're probably looking around being like, hey, wait a minute, why aren't you in a weird kitty corner part of your of your apartment, and why does it suddenly look like you have a bunch more space? It's because I do. Um, so in my life, basically, just to give you kind of a little bit of a, a very short um, um, bit of information on what's happened in my life in the last little bit, I took some time off from the show because uh, I, I had to go deal with a bunch of 
uh, a bunch of adult stuff that's very unfun, like taking a car to the, like taking back my car to the United States um, and dropping it off there, coming back and quarantining for two weeks just to drop off a car um, with my parents in California. There was that. And then right around that time, I had to move because uh, I need because essentially the landlords are moving into the house. We're moving into the house that I had been rent that I'd been renting from for the last year and a bit. So I had to find a new place. It seemed like I was not going to find a place. I was very much prepping for the idea of okay, all of this is going in storage, and uh, I'm gonna crash on my uh, I'm gonna have to crash on my dad's couch for a couple for a couple weeks until I can find something. But luckily, just literally right up at the 11th hour basically i found something and i found this place i found a i found a nice apartment in burnaby that i am now living in it's a basement suite but i love it um it's much bigger much more space than the last place and i get my own uh, my own actual kind of office which is awesome um it is you know it's a it's it's a bit of a risky gamble just because you know i was paying a lot i'll just say this i was paying a lot less in rent than i am now um but I am quite happy. I'm quite happy with it. And I'm quite happy with uh, specifically the fact that I have all this to, room to work with, especially for the show. Um, and um, I'm really looking forward to kind of some of the stuff that I'm going to add in the background, all the different kind of tricks and stuff that we can do. Um, the other thing that happened uh, that happened during uh, the last little month, the last month is while look as I decided to... Uh, take a little bit of a splurge a little bit and get a, a new laptop because I've really needed one for a while. If uh, the last podcast, the last many of the last podcast episodes were recorded on my old Surface Pro computer, which was hand-me-down. I had not, it was not new when I got it. It was already like three or four years old by the time I got it from my mom using it. Uh, they gave me the hand-me-down one. Uh, but over time, you know, it, it can't do, but it's an old computer. It's not built for a lot of high-tech stuff, so it couldn't do a lot of the stuff, particularly for the podcast and for YouTube stuff that I wanted to do. So I went out and I, I saved up and I got a really good, a really good heavy-duty laptop specifically just to do this show and just to do the, the videos and the recording and the podcast every week. Um, so, I mean, just right off the hop, I can show you like some of the cool things. Obviously, you're looking at me right now on camera one because I have two. The second one's not very good, but I'll flip over to it right now. Boom. This is camera two. Hi, if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, this camera's not very good, but it this gives you an idea of what the stuff that I can do now, because I downloaded like a, a broadcasting software that, again, did not work on the old computer because it was too advanced. This is, you know, this is this is something that I've wanted to be able to do for a long time. Um, was add more fun, entertaining elements and Specifically, when I'm allowed to have people in studio, in studio again, I like the idea that I could, you know, flip cameras and do stuff and have a camera on them, camera on me, so it's not just one shot, one consecutive shot over an entire episode, because that's a little bit more difficult. That's a little bit less uh, of a fun thing to do. And now I will flip back to the norm, to the better camera. There it is. Um, obviously, lots of blank wall space um, that I plan to do stuff with. I plan to. Uh, do uh, some stuff with. I plan to, you know, decorate it and specifically decorate it with stuff for the show. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that. Obviously, that, you know, that also, you know, costs money that I don't have right now. So we're going to not... So that's going to take some time, but I'm looking forward to the kinds of the stuff that we can do uh, with the show uh, going forward. And uh, obviously, even stuff... And even just little things. Like, uh, let's... I mean... Why not? Let's jump into our very first uh, topic of debate here. Um, that kind of spurred another thing. Let's go right into the fact that uh, this uh, this uh, this uh, Gino Ogic uh, movement to to put Gino Ogic in the Ring of Honor, the Canucks Ring of Honor. Um, uh, if you're not watching, if you're just listening right now, basically I have the I can I'm showing it on the screen. I'm showing the uh, the article from Daily Hive. Shout out to friend of the show and edit. Friend of the show, Rob, the hockey guy, uh, Rob Williams, tweeting, uh, t writing about how uh, BC Premier John Horgan wants to put Gino Ojik in the Ring of Honor, and there's a whole, um, there's all grassroots movement going on right now to make uh, Gino, to put Gino in the Ring of Honor, and a lot of people, and that kind of spurred its own debate. That spurred its own debate 
for um, Canucks fans, which was the fact of, okay, well, Gino, if you're going to put Gino Ojic in the Ring of Honor, um, it's time to put Luongo, it's time to retire Luongo's jersey. And I swear to God, every time this comes up, every time this comes up, the, I'm so, I, I gotta say it, the dumbest people come out of the woodwork and are like, oh, Luongo shouldn't get his jersey retired, he's not important, blah, 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 he didn't do anything, his playoff, his playoff failures are too much to get him, uh, to put him, he should, he does not deserve jersey retirement. And, uh, with that, I'd like to go into a brand new segment on the Crease Cat, where, where I call Lock, which I'm just going to call right now Lock, Lachlan's Rant, where I rant about something and get very, very mad for about, I don't know, as long as needed, as long as needed. On the last episode, it was me getting mad about the Canucks reverse retros. This time I'm getting mad about <laughs> Jersey retirement. I'm, I'm a positive guy, I like to think. I'm a very positive person. I will, I, I'm just going to flat out put it for you. Very, I'm going to make it very nice and simple here. If you don't think Roberto Luongo deserves to have his jersey retired by the Vancouver Canucks, you do not get hockey. You don't understand hockey at all. Because, frankly, you're diminishing one of the greatest goaltenders of all time's contributions to a great team. And the fact of the matter is, he is the arguably the biggest reason that they got to where they did. And... That is a very hot take. I'll admit that part is hot is a hot take. I am, but I'm very much of the belief, and admittedly a little biased. Roberto Luongo for me is, in my mind, is the greatest player the Canucks have ever had. In my mind, I know that's not actually true. I know there have been better, and I know there are guys who are coming, like the Sedins. Obviously, I would put in in with my actual brain. Yes, the Sedins are one and two in the top of the greatest Canucks of all time list. And Luongo is third in, is third. You can't, that's, it's true. Sorry, it's true. He's the second, he's the third greatest Canuck of all time. In my heart, he's number one because I was a goaltender. I grew up a goalie and I idolized him uh, growing up. He was the guy who I wanted to be. Uh, and I imitated, and I imitated when I played in net. I made, I made saves just like Lou. Um, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to be just like him. That's, that's the way I grew up. A lot of people, when I was growing up, harped on him, didn't get it. They didn't understand what Luongo brought to the team because all they saw were the tough playoff exits. It has nothing to do with that. Luongo, what Luongo was able to do in his time in, oops, I forgot that I have the hotkeys on and apparently I can't, uh, I can't do that. Uh, I can't do some of the stuff that, uh, normally, oops. Um, basically, you know, people are like, oh, like they immediately, the, the, the immediate, um, um, factor for people is, ma, look at what he happened to him in 2011 in the cup final. He completely imploded. Yes. Let's, let's talk about the fact that the goaltender, let's, uh, let's, let's blame the goaltender in the 2011 Stanley cup finals. Let's blame the goalie who got two shutouts. Might I remind you? Two shutouts. Not only were they just regular shutouts, they were one nothing shutouts where he had to be perfect for the entire game, otherwise they did not win. Instead of, say, I don't know, the skaters that only scored eight goals in seven games, an NHL record for futility in a, in a seven-game cup final. Scoring futility in, an NH, in a cup final. In a seven-game series. Yes, you totally know where the blame should be going. It's definitely on the goalie because he didn't score enough. He didn't. How dare he not? Yeah, that four nothing loss in Game Seven. It's his fault the Canucks didn't score a single damn goal. Yes, that's on him. Like, yes, I get the fact that he had a shaky starts in Boston. I totally get that, and I understand why that's tough to swallow for some people. But I mean. The fact of the matter is, and yes, his save percentage looks poor because of it. The fact of the matter is, the Canucks don't even sniff that cup final without him. They don't even come close to it without Luongo and without the foundation he gave that team. One of my hottest personal takes is that, and I think if you really look into it, I think there's some merit to this, which is, and I think it's something that not a lot of Canucks fans might like to hear, but, and, or want to hear, but, or realize even, but Roberto Luongo 
made the players, made the best players of that 2011 final, he made them possible. I personally do not think that we get the, that the Sedins get to the level that they do in their careers without Roberto Luongo. That's a bit of a, that's, that's probably kind of fiery. You're probably ready to, like, you're probably ready to bring pitchforks to my brand new apartment in which I will say, no, please, I just put a security deposit down on it. But hear me out here. You have to think about the fact that for the first long part of the Sedin's career, they never really were able to do the things they could. Not because they couldn't. They always had that skill. They were always going to be great players. But because of the fact that they never, the Canucks never had stable, strong goaltending, consistent goaltending for the, for the first good part of the Sedin's careers, I don't think the Sedin's ever got the opportunity to truly flourish and got the leash that they did from their coaches um, without, without Roberto Luongo being there. Because suddenly there was no longer the concern of, oh, hey, if we let them go out and try and cycle the puck to, to, uh, to, God's e- to the end of the world and they make an error and it go, ends up going and they, make, they maybe make an error and it goes back the other way. Uh, we can't trust the goaltender at the other end to stop that shot, to necessarily stop that and save that shot. So we need to kind of hold them back, rein them in a little bit. When Luongo got there, that changed because now all of a sudden the Canucks had consistent, strong goaltending every single night. If the Sedins were cycling the puck, pulling off classic Sedinery, they never had to worry, oh, if I make a little bit of an error here, if something goes wrong, that that puck's going in the net the other side. They never had to worry about that when, when once Roberto Luongo came on the scene. They knew 99 times out of 100, he's stopping that puck. That was the way Lou was. That was what Lou made possible. I think the Sedins are great players, even become great players even without Lu, Luongo. But I don't think they get to Hart Trophy, Lester B. Pearson slash Ted Lindsay Award, back-to-back Hart Ross Trophy winning Henrik and Daniel without Roberto Luongo because they would have never been able, because the coaches would have never had the trust in their netminders to keep that, to keep any mistakes or errors out. He freed up the Canucks forwards and players to be more aggressive and make, defensemen he freed up the opportunity for defensemen to go ahead and try and make that extra pinch and try and beat that guy to the puck they freed up the forwards to get a little bit more creative and do more things with in the other in the attacking zone or even in the neutral zone as they're headed trying to enter because they never had to worry that oh something goes wrong here we don't have to worry we're not worried that that puck's going in we're not worried that we're going to end up with a goal coming a goal coming back because Luongo was the most stable, the best goaltending this team and this franchise have ever had. They've never had a goaltender like him, not even close. Luongo deserves to have his jersey retired by this team. He played here for, what is it, eight goddamn seasons. He was amazing in all of them. Even in the years where he struggled, he was still great. He still gave the Canucks better goaltending than most of the NHL. I don't know how you can look at the fact that this guy is third all, what, third all time in NHL wins. You'd think I would know this because I am Luongo's biggest fan and I'm the biggest proponent of him getting into the Hall of Fame. He had 489 wins. Come on. Come on. Like, I don't know. And most of which came with, hey, guess what? The Canucks, because that's the team he came to. That's the peak of his career came with the Canucks. I don't know how you can look at the fact that he is the leading goal. He is the leader in every single important goaltending category the Canucks in franchise history for the Canucks, and say this guy doesn't get deserve to have his jersey retired. It does. He does. He absolutely does. And if you don't if you don't agree with me, it's because you have you have this very you have it. You're looking at it from a short sighted vision. You're looking at only a couple games. And even if you're gonna say, oh, his goal, his his um, his uh, his playoff experience uh, is the problem here. It's like, I'm sorry, he won a bunch of playoff series before that. Are we? We're just you're just gonna boil it down to one. That's 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 the marker we're setting it at now. We're setting seven games determines his career or the cap recapture BS. Some people were like, oh, that matters. No, it doesn't. 
I'm sorry, you expect him to... It's it's The onus is on him to do the Canucks a solid and not retire because he wants to work in the front office uh, be, just because the Canucks would... It would hurt the Canucks cap hit. I'm sorry, the franchise that treated him so poorly and just booted him out the door by not playing him in a Heritage Classic. You think he owes them a solid? No. Screw you. The This team treated Luongo, and sometimes this fan base, treated Roberto like absolute shit, and he didn't deserve it. Same thing with, same thing kind of happened with Pavel Bure, and look what ended up happening. They ended up coming, they ended up letting bygones be bygones and retiring the number 10. Luongo's next. He damn well better be. Nobody deserves to have their jersey retired on in more than Roberto Luongo. He does. He does. And frankly, if you don't believe me, I mean, if you don't agree with me, I don't know what else to tell you other than you don't, maybe just, maybe hockey's not your thing. Maybe you don't understand how, how important goaltending is or how, or yeah, that's pretty much it. Maybe you just don't get goaltending. I'm sorry. Just to leave you with one last thing, there. If you go to hockeyreference.com, uh, they have a they have a they have a um, a little thing on their um, they have a little part of their stats page for players called a similarity score, where essentially they um, take they show you kind of the the overall um, they match up the points and the they match it through like advanced stats they match up uh, goaltenders to their. Uh, closest counterparts from history um, through like a bunch of like um, adjusted for era sort of stuff and points and what have you uh, adjusted point shares from uh, point shares um, these are, so basically it's the here are the comparables for a guy's career who had who are the goaltenders that we have to compare that we should be comparing this goaltender to and his career to and what he was able to accomplish here are the names on here are the 10 names on Luongo's list. I'm going to leave you with that. Those names are Terry Sawchuk, Martin Brodeur, Tony Esposito, Jacques Plante, Patrick Waugh, Glenn Hull, Henrik Lundqvist, Harry Lumley, Dominic Hasek, and Curtis Joseph. I saw arguably the collection of the greatest goaltenders of all time arguably right there in the same in the same career path as Roberto Luongo and his peak years came with the Canucks he's the he's one of the greatest players this team and this this team in the city has ever seen what else is there to say um and with that let's I'm I need to cool down. So let's talk about the fact that the NHL is making things more difficult for a return to play. Yay! <laughs> um, so essentially, there was this deal in place. They redid the CBA during the last off season, um, with the idea of what was going to happen for 2020-21 in mind. The idea being that you know they would come back either around December or in around January. Right now, it seems like that's not happening. January does not seem like it's happening. It seems like February is much more likely. Um, he wants to renegotiate the labor agreement because of everything that's gone on. And the players are understandably not happy about that because, hey, they they agreed to this deal. I get and that the, you know, everything's changed. A little bit has changed in terms of the landscape. But still, this is a contract. This is a set contract that you put in place why on earth are you trying to change it right now um and you know most of just i'm not going to go over too many of the numbers uh this is from a chris johnson article on sportsnet um you know we're you know Batman is saying we're not actually having negotiations and we're not seeking to renegotiate which is kind of lawyer speak for yes they absolutely are trying to renegotiate but they're not officially it's it's very clear what they're doing um, and there's this idea of the, you know, there's this, uh, the memor the memorandum of understanding in July 10th was called them for lo to lose 20% of their paychecks to escrow in 2020-21 with another 10% de de deferred, but Bettman indicated that two recent proposals on behalf of the owners called for increased deferral and escrow payments remain an effort to keep everything balanced. And obviously the players are not cool with that. You signed a deal why why are you trying to go back on it now and apparently there's a lot of stuff where the owners are saying oh it's cheaper we'd lose less money if we didn't play 
I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know why on earth you would cancel the season after the year you've had. The last thing it sounds to me like the NHL needs, especially for its smaller market, smaller uh, revenue teams, is a canceled season. That seems like a huge waste, especially with the amount of money you would probably lose on the fact that you have to pay out some issues with broadcasting. You've got one more year on a broadcasting deal and you need to get to that next one, which is where the big bucks will come back from. Um, I don't see how they're how they're going to get how they how they can make any changes here. I get that the world and the landscape and the economy has changed even just from July. But I don't know how you're going to make this work. I think this ma- this this was settled, you know? This is not this is this the NHL is trying to like strong arm the players for for easier things for the owners. It's even though frankly the players have far more to lose here than the owners because a some of them are getting older. They're not not be able to get that paycheck uh, the, the paychecks they're getting again. Uh there's the fact that some of them are expecting to go as UFAs next year or expecting to get the big money contracts again, but they haven't been there. Um I don't really know I don't know a whole lot about the CBA. Maybe I should read it. Um, my friend did. Uh, she said it was very interesting. Um, but I don't really know. I think it's very clear that hockey needs to come back and that money that they, at this point, it's like, okay, just let's just get a season going, please. Um, obviously safely. Do it safely, please. Um, and it seems like that's the way things are going. It seems like more or less it's going to be in February. I don't know why they would ever say, oh, we're not going to play. I don't know. I don't get that. Some teams have said they might try and play outdoors, which would be fascinating. I think there were four teams specifically in the U.S. I think it was like Pittsburgh. Um, um, Pitts, I think Pittsburgh said something. I think uh, uh, Boston was another. Uh, L.A. and Anaheim together um, were looking at it because apparently outdoor stadiums, you can actually, because you could actually put some people in an outdoor stadium. Um, hey, we, I have no idea where this world's... I have no idea where we're going. Hockey is going to be very interesting next year, whatever this season is. And most likely that includes in an, a Canadian division, which I am quite excited about. I mean, because um, obviously the main thing is that Canadian teams can't travel across the border and play again. Unlike the cases with the Raptors and the Blue Jays, where they're the only Canadian team and they kind of have to go over across the border to play... Uh, to play all their game, to play their games and stay there for a while. The NHL has enough teams that they can leave them, obviously, in Canada, that they can leave the seven Canadian teams to play a schedule against each other. Um, in terms of the Canucks, I mean, the what's going to be very interesting about how this goes, because I'm assuming it's very much going to be, even for the U.S. teams, uh, it's going to be a case of uh, you're playing only teams within your division and you're playing probably close to like 60 games. Uh, 60, 70 games. For the... Or not 70. 70 is too many. 60. We'll say 60. Um, For the Canucks, I mean, and for... Well, for every team, um, that means you're going to... That means um, you're going to probably play teams upwards of 10 times. You're going to play the same team... Same team 10 times. Upwards of about 10 times. And that can make or break your season. Like, one team... Having trouble against one team could easily tank your year. And from a Canucks standpoint, I'm a little concerned. Um, Not just because they've come back weaker than they did last season. Um, I just look at some of the teams that they'd be matched up against, and I do not like their odds. And I, I feel bad about that, but that's just the way it is. I Specifically, the team that sticks out to me is Winnipeg. Um, which might have been a dark, uh, an interesting choice for some people. Like, I think some people would probably say, oh, like, you know, Toronto uh, is going to be a big threat. Calgary, Edmonton, obviously, with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. You can't count them out. For me, I look at Winnipeg. Not necessarily because they're going to be the best team in that division. They're probably not. I would say that the reason they scare me the most if I'm the Canucks is because, A, the Canucks have only won, what, one game against them in their last, like, 11 or a last 11 or so like a lot of games they've only won one in regulation i think against them in the last so many years uh they've only won once in regulation and honestly that's that's a lot of points like again that's so 10 games is 20 points that's a 20 that's 20 points out of your season 20 points out of a 
a possible 120 you can get in a 60 game season. You're playing 10 games against Winnipeg. If you go on, if you put up put up those same numbers, that means you only got, you know, probably let's say just to be generous, let's say the Canucks win two games, one of which is an OT. They win two games and then a, lose a third in OT. That means you got five points. That means, like, yeah, hey, you got five points. That's great. But Winnipeg got 17, uh, if I've got my math correctly. Uh, do I have that correct? Yes, I do. That's seven. That's, uh, yeah, that's 17 points. Um, that's so, that's, and that's a gap. That's enough to give you, that's, that's enough to just vault them right ahead of you and into a playoff spot and you not making it. That's a very, that's a very crucial, um, that's a very crucial amount of points that are up for grabs against every opponent. And from the Canucks case, there are just a couple teams in this group that I think match up very badly for Vancouver, uh, specifically some of the quicker teams like Toronto, um, is going to be a hard one for them. I think they have, I think they could, will definitely have their hands full with Montreal. Um, I think they can, and Winnipeg especially, um, I think they can handle Calgary and Edmonton overall. Um, Ottawa's Ottawa. They're not doing so, they're not doing so great these days, but mostly there are some teams in this division that could very easily tank the Canucks chances at the playoffs. They do not match up well against teams that are faster than they are, and more importantly, they do not match up against teams that are fast and physical, the way, like, Winnipeg is. Winnipeg schools the Canucks every time they play them. I do not love that for Vancouver. I think if you're the Canucks, you have to look at possibly um, finding a couple bigger bigger guys to come in, bigger guys who are still quick and can contribute offensively to kind of... Uh, turn the tide a little bit for for you for you. And right now the Canucks don't have a lot of that anymore. They don't have a they don't have that edge and they don't have guys then the guys they do have with edge aren't exactly offensive contributor regular offensive contributors and that's going to be a big problem for them. Um but I would really I am very excited to see what they do in the Canadian division. I'm not saying they can't make the playoffs at all. I'm not saying that they're a shoot absolutely guaranteed to miss. Um, but I'm saying that they are going to have a much tougher time getting in than I think they did last season. I think the Pacific Division specifically offered them a lot more leeway and a lot more teams that they had a, that they would have in so-called easier time against and could earn a couple more points here or there. Specifically, the California teams were all very bad last year. Um, there are no garbage points here. There are no... Um, there's no, uh, there's no just taking a couple free wins here or there in this group, aside from Ottawa, mostly. Um, and right now, I think the Canucks are going to be in tough. They're very in tough to win in that division. I would, it would be very cool to see, but I think right now, they're kind of on the outside looking in. They need to kind of look at the teams that they're probably going to play, specifically the likes of Montreal and Winnipeg, and say, okay, how do we combat these groups? How do we play against these guys on a regular basis? Because this is what your season is going to be. It's going to be full, long, crazy season series against six other Canadian franchises. You have the opportunity, more or less, to kind of build a team that can beat that competition a little bit. and Because that's kind of what it's, that's what it's going to take to get into the postseason this year is... Can you beat the seven team? Can you best the seven team, six or seven teams that you're playing against? Vancouver right now, I don't think they're there. I think they need a couple more, especially some help on the blue line and a little bit more scoring um, and a little bit more scoring, especially on that suddenly much, much weaker right wing side. Um, one fun story that's come up in the last little bit uh, is the Brain Holpy Turtle stuff. That was fascinating. The whole turtle... They got, the Braden Holpe's turtles got stuck at the border, or sorry, tortoises got stuck at the border, I should say. Um, and uh, his wife was tweeting, like, can somebody please, uh, does anyone know anyone from the Canadian Parks and Fishing Game? Because my husband's stuck on, this, on, the other, on the American border with tortoises. And apparently they got through, and um, it's so funny. Just all of that stuff has been hilarious. And then Tim Horton sent them, like, donuts with the tortoises on it, which is real fun like uh never in my wildest dreams that i think our two tortoises would end up on a long john uh there they are in their in all their glory the tortoises um it is so funny 
Uh, look at that. They also sent hockey. They also sent a hockey card. Um, where is it? Oh yeah. Oh, where's the where's the where's the closer up picture? There was a closer picture that I wanted to see. Um, it's um. Oh, I can't find it. Um, but either way, they sent them a bunch of like a welcome gift, and I love that. That's really cool. Um, overall, like I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. This is what off season hockey is is turtle is tortoises not being able to get across the canadian border especially in a pandemic um i mean i can't imagine that's like that's a crazy it's just a crazy story and overall just uh exotic pets are fascinating i guess tortoises aren't that fat aren't that exotic really but because you know their tortoises are i believe they're, they're land, they're land, uh, they're land creatures, not like, uh, you know, they don't live in the ocean, I don't believe. Um, honey and maple, adorable. Um, it's, uh, it's such a crazy story. This is what off-season hockey is, is finding the most ridiculous stories and talking about them. Um, like the fact that the Canucks sell Segway scooter, electric Segway scooters on their, on their website now. There's that going on. Um, what else is there to talk about? Um, uh, I don't have as, again, there's not much to talk about right now overall, just because of the fact, again, there's no hockey on. There hasn't been a lot of transactions going on. Frankly, I'm going to be honest, this would have been a good week for an interview, but again, with all the moving stuff, I have not had the time to to, to do that. Um, Patrick Johnson of the province, he's uh, he was talking about how the NHL might put, how they might have to consider ads on sweaters, on the jerseys. Um... Yeah, why not? I mean, at this point, what do you do to re to recoup your losses? I mean, you got to find some way to make this um, economically. Uh, not, I guess, maybe you're probably not going to make a profit either way, but more or less, you you got to find some way to to stop the bleeding a little bit, stop the red ink, and maybe sponsorships are the way to do that. I think there are some pretty cool sponsorships you could do. Um, the fun ones, of course, are like, you know, the NBA's done it, I think, quite well, where the sponsorships are there. I don't love it, personally. I like the idea of the NA. I'm, I'm a bit of a purist for the jerseys, and I very much think the jerseys are sacred and you shouldn't put ads on them, but with this weird season, I think it's worth a try. I think the NBA, again, does a pretty decent job where it's like, okay, they're kind of like on the shoulder, like on the shoulder here, and they're, they're not loud. They're not... Like, they're not aggressive. They're very, they're usually built to, designed to blend in more or less with the rest of the uniform. They're designed in cohesion with the uniform. Um, and it looks taste, it's tasteful and very limited, limited advertisement overall. I think this is where you're going um, for the NHL. It's, you don't, because you don't want to turn them into like the European players where they're just plaster, they're a billboard, or they look like a NASCAR, right? I don't, I don't want that for the NHL. If you're going to put like a, just a very tasteful one, like on the shoulder or on the patch or on the arm, give it a try. For Vancouver, I mean, what would Vancouver's ad be? It can't be Rogers again, because literally every team is a Rogers ad. I think it would probably be, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. It would be like, oh, Tyson meat, Tyson foods. There you go. Perfect. Mwah. Beautiful. Perfect. Because of course they secretly own the team. Um, or they secretly own TSN, um, so they'll want to get on board with the Canucks. They're going to put a Tyson Foods ad on the side. I I'm sure that's the way this is going. Um, let's move on quickly to the NHL stuff, uh, to some NHL stuff before we uh, wrap this episode up. Um, one thing I was joking at, so you can't see it obviously on the camera, but uh, I have like very tiled floors, right? I have, I have tile floors now instead of like wood. Uh, it's not like just like a wooden, like, you know, wood flooring. Um, and it's really funny because it immediately reminded me just a little bit of the Connor of Connor McDavid's house and the photos uh, that went viral from Connor McDavid's house. Um, these are, um, they're fascinating. I mean, Connor, buddy, like, okay, it's a very nice house. Like, it's nice. I'll give it that. Um... But Connor, buddy, your house needs some color. And his his, his girlfriend apparently designed it because she's an interior decorator. Like, don't get me wrong, it looks okay. Like, it looks fine. It's not offensive to the eye or anything, but it's just, it's so bland. Why is it 
all grays and blacks and whites. It's just grayscale, everything. I don't know why you wouldn't put more color in this place. There are a couple cool, interesting things here or there. I don't know why that's popping up. Um, I don't... It, like, look, look, look at the basketball court. Like, you look at the basketball court that he has, like his indoor sports court. That's cool. It's Connor McDavid's sports court. It's, the floor is gray with black. The walls are white with black trim on the bottom. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why uh, you wouldn't decorate more. One of the quotes in here was from, like, uh, she, uh, from the, from the, the writer, uh, whose name is Caroline Galt. Uh, she said, um, uh, uh, that, uh, Lauren Kyle McDavid's girlfriend said, uh, she was rightly amused by my suggestion that hockey royalty must have hockey regalia adorning the walls. Co quote, Connor doesn't like showing off hockey memorabilia, she says. Dude, you're Connor McDavid, man. Come on. Like, okay. It really isn't doing much to dispel the whole thing of hockey players are boring. Like, good lord, it's, it's, it just, it just needs a splash of color. That's all I'm asking for, buddy. Like, I don't know you, you don't know me, you rip, you stole my number, but I don't hold, I don't hold it against you. I'm trying to give you help here. Just, just a little bit of color, just a little teensy bit of like some colors here and there. It's very white and it's very grayscale and that's not the way I would want my house decorated. As I say, looking at my gray walls and tiled, gray tiled floors, I am basically living in the very, 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 very poor man's version of that house right now. Uh, with, but hey, there's wood, the wood, the, the wooden cupboards at least have a little bit more color. And I have a Christmas tree up with red lights and stuff. So hey, I've got a little bit of color going. I've got my accent colors. I know interior decorating no i don't um um what else is left here to say um um uh, oh johnny boychuk's career and was ended by um uh, an eye injury a lot of people are saying hey that's kind of interesting that his uh, that his career is just over but he hasn't also officially retired um this seems like lou lamorello bullshit it kind of does um, because it helps them get out from some tough cap space. I mean, I don't know. It probably, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Lou Lou did it again. Um, but I mean, he seemed very, emo like, I'm not saying like, obviously Johnny Boychuk's not in on it or something, but it's like, you know, he's very upset and it seems like he's very much come to the conclusion, to the, to the same conclusion that he's, this is his hockey career. It's, he's called it a day. It's, this is it for him. And, um, it sucks. I mean, yes, he was a member of the 2011 Bruins, so I have to hate him. But also, like, that's such an awful way to go. Just an eye injury is such an awful way to, to, for your career to end. You love, you want to go out on your own terms. So, Johnny, cheers to you, man. Like, it's, you had a great career. You had a great run. As, and, uh, really a big anchor for that Islanders blue line for quite a while there. Um, Mikhail Sergachev signed a three-year deal with the Lightning for 4.8 million, it's a little bit pricey for Makat, for Sergachev. He's like, he's a very good defenseman. I think he's got a little bit of an overrated, he's a little bit, just a teensy bit overrated just because of the whole Jonathan Drouin situation and how that's, and that's how he came to them from Montreal, via Montreal. 4.8 is manageable. It's not terrible, but I mean, then you, I mean, you look at the fact that the Lightning have zero cap space. They've got to move. They've got to shuffle some money out again. This is, the, this is what happens when you win a cup. I mean, well, this is what happens when you're the Lightning and you find a way to just let everybody stay for a bunch of time and uh, get them to take cheap deals. This is, this is the, which, this is the situation. It's, you're having too much of a good thing? Oh no. Um, don't be the Canucks where we're in cap hell, but haven't won much at all. <laughs> Yikes, we have, what, two playoff series wins to our names? Well done. Um, and finally, one story I just wanted to go over for the most random reason. This is kind of like a Jon Stewart moment of Zen thing, like Daily Show moment of Zen. Um, I saw this very in November, but I just had to talk about it. Um, this is from a website called Indie88.com. Uh, a... The famously controversial Garfield-themed pizza restaurant in Toronto, 
Garfield Eats has closed. Very sad. It only lasted one year. Um, they they served Garfield shaped pizzas, lasagna, and what are called Garfuccinos. <laughs> um, it they are selling apparently frozen lasagna online. Um, it's it's um. It's I, I it was just the most random thing. First of all, I didn't even know Toronto had a Garfield themed restaurant, but I am fascinated by the fact that this existed even for allegedly just one year and now it sells frozen lasagna online because COVID killed it. Um oh my god. Like um just crazy. Of all the restaurants, I mean I yes, I get the whole Garfield loves lasagna thing, but I don't know why you would want a restaurant based on a based on a cat and then make pizzas shaped like his face why um which gave me the question which i'm gonna ask you as well i'm gonna ask you guys and i'm gonna i will i will take the best responses hopefully and put them in the next episode um the question being what if you were gonna base a restaurant off a cartoon what would it be and what would it be and what would you serve that's my question for you guys please Answer it either in the Twitter on the on in the Twitter replies for this episode. Um, just send it to me on Twitter. I guess like hashtag creasecast. We'll just do that. Um, yeah, send me that. For me, this is the maybe this is the this is the too easy of one, but it's the Krusty Krab from SpongeBob. Krabby Patties. Everybody wants Krabby Patties. They've never, they've never, I don't think they've ever had an actual rest, Krusty Krab restaurant, like an officially licensed one anyway. Um, the one thing with that, of course, is that Krabby Patties have been so hyped up from that show and from just the legions of fans that have seen that show and I've, that have grown up with it like I did with that show. It, you have to get it right. If you do not get the Krabby Patty correct and it is not the most delicious thing anybody has ever tasted you're gonna you're in trouble you th this is probably why nickelodeon has never licensed a crusty crab restaurant because frankly the the um the ramifications of say that crabby patty not being the the greatest thing ever it could be catastrophic for the brand of spongebob as a whole it's been built up in everyone's mind so much with the secret formula and everything else that it would have to be the best burger you've ever had. And so I think that's why it would never happen, but I would absolutely, that would be my pick, is Krabby Patties. I've always wanted to have a Krabby Patty. Um, hopefully, I hope someday they make that restaurant happen, and I hope it's, again, the greatest thing ever. But that's what I would pick. That's, um, that's who I'd go with here. And with that, this is... This, I think that's about it. We're gonna, I think we're about to wrap this up here. Um, one other, oh yeah, one other thing I will say is, um, I've been doing, uh, Twitch streams. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of Twitch streaming lately. I've been testing around with that because, again, I can do that now. Um, I played Among Us and that ended up being kind of popular. Like, uh, in terms of, like, at least for, for me anyway. I got two, I had, I think, one follower on Twitch and it was Chris Faber, um, before that. And then I played Among Us, and I picked up two more. And I picked up two more. Two people who not only didn't know me from hockey, they just, they didn't know who I was. They just subscribed, which is hilarious. And they were like, oh, because, and I know, the reason I know that is because, A, I mentioned on the stream that, oh, I do the CreaseCast, and, and this person was like, and one of the person people were like, oh, I'm going to check out your podcast because I didn't know you did that. Clearly, they do not follow me on Twitter. They don't know anything about me. I don't know how they found me. Must have been from, like, the featured page on Twitch or, like, one of, like, the Discover pages, I guess. I don't know. Um, and the other person was like, oh, wow, you have a huge Twitter following. Like, huge being 300 followers on Twitter. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. And I played on, I played people were, like, actually getting into it. It was interesting. It was pretty cool. Um, I won a bunch of games as the imposter. I had a lot of fun with it. So I think I'm going to do that more. Um, I, I, I'm going to do stuff like that more. I'm going to try and play some games, maybe NHL, uh, Fall Guys is another game I like. Definitely I'm going to do Among Us again, because clearly that's popular. I'm going to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Uh, so I'm going to do that. You can go to, I think, what is it? Twitch.tv slash lock in the crease. You can go check that out. 
I do want to try and get affiliate status on there because, or like the partner status, um, which I think is 50 followers on there because then I can make a little bit of money from uh, doing the streams. And also I can do like some bigger stuff, which is like some bigger stuffs with the streams that I've wanted to do. Um, and some ideas I have for like more live more live programming, I guess, hockey related specifically. Like one of the other Twitch streams I did was uh, designing a reverse retro myself. I did that on there as well. I think you can check that out on the channel. I think it's there. Um, uh, if you enjoyed this episode of the Creasecast, please check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash lock in the crease. Uh, for three bucks a month, you get full... Um, you get full uh, bonus episodes of the Creasecast talking about ranging from everything from hockey, obviously, to TV, like The Mandalorian, to music, to Christmas stuff. I've got a couple Christmas ideas in the works for bonus episodes on there. And new perk for the, uh, that I've just, uh, I guess I'm just announcing now, um, I have revived my old Creasecast, pa uh, Creasecast Discord channel. Um, I do not have a link. I will put a link in the description for this episode. Uh, you can join even without the disc, without um, being a patron. But if you are, you get access to the VIP rooms and a little bit more, uh, and some little bit more goodies and stuff like that uh, that I'm working on. The Discord channel will be available to everybody. But yeah, for three bucks a month, you get extra, you get an extra, some extra stuff and some extra uh, uh, access to different channels to check out uh, if you join. Three bucks a month. It's not, it's uh you know, less than a less than a than a Christmas than a Starbucks peppermint latte. Uh, that's not too, that's pretty good. Uh, less than a Starbucks peppermint latte a month. It's a pretty good deal if I do say so myself. Um, I will also say um, that right now I do have some idea some stuff in the works for potential. Um, let's say stuff you could put on your Chris. You could help with your Christmas shopping this year. I am not not officially saying anything yet because it's not done yet. But once it is, I will let you know on the show. There is some stuff that I have in the works specifically, again, to try and help do this more. If you go to the Patreon and follow on Twitch, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lock in the Crease and follow the, the, the YouTube channel. Check out my, subscribe to the Creasecast YouTube channel. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Um, check out LockintheCrease.com where I do articles every week. Um, it helps support me, a local independent hockey journalist, it really does. It help every little bit helps, and I really appreciate it. And it's, um, it, uh, and you guys are the reason I do stuff like this, and the reason I'm able to do stuff like this every week. And I really appreciate it. So please keep doing that as much as you can. And yeah, I will be back next week with another new episode, and hopefully with a guest. Thank you so much for watching or listening, and I will see you. Next time, oh yeah, I forgot I have to play the end music now. This has been the Crease Cast. I am Lock and Lock and the Crease Servant. Thanks for listening. Good night.